0: And hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve.
1: Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being with us here today. I appreciate you so much. I'm so glad for every moment that we get to spend together here on the radio talking about how we can live as thriving entrepreneurs. Such an amazing thing to be able to make a difference in this world being just exactly who we are. Thank you for showing up in the world as the person you are. Today, we're going to talk about knowing what you want and making it happen. Do you know what you want? Do you know, after you know what you want, how to make that happen? Both of those are things that can be very intense in our lives and can take up a lot of our time, our effort, our energy. And then in the end, still not feel like we reached where we wanted to be. So we want to focus today on knowing what you want and making it happen so that you can really thrive in all that you do in life and business. So what are the elements to that? I mean, first of all, you got to know yourself. There's the old phrase, know thyself. And a lot of us spend a lot of time wishing, wondering, hoping or chasing after things that aren't us, rather than really embracing how amazingly incredible we are, and just being the best version of ourselves, while well, it's called today. I mean, it's going to change over the course of your life. You're not the same person you were five years ago. You're not the same person you were when you were five, um, and you will be different as the days go by, and that's okay. That's life. That's growth. That's healthy, that's wholeness and healing to grow throughout our life. But also along with that is the fact that there's a thread. There's a thread of who you are that kind of sticks with you through your whole life. There are certain elements of who you are and how you act in this world. They're just unmistakable. Anybody that knows you knows in a particular situation, whether you were five years old or 85 years old, this is how you're going to react. It may be your certain religious beliefs, it may be some of the family elements and the culture that you were raised in, Um, and it may just be the heart and soul and core of who you are, because those things come out. They become apparent, and if we pay attention, they show up throughout all of the course of our life. Think about that for a minute. Think of the things that you find yourself talking about and then ask yourself, what's the thread that connects that? Why is that important to me? There's usually a deeper reason why that goes down to the heart and soul and core of who you are. That's what knowing what you want is. And then what do you got to do to make it happen? The first and foremost part of that is you've got to take action. You have to be moving. You can always steer a moving car, but if the car has the brakes on and it's not rolling at all, those of you that have even ever helped push a car, even when it's in neutral, if it's dead standstill, it's hard work to get it moving at the very first. But once it then gets rolling, you can pretty much just stand next to it with your hand on it, I mean unless you get to a hill, and it'll just keep rolling for you. That's about making it happen. So, Sometimes you just got to try some things and allow yourself to try things, to be cautiously optimistic with those things, but also be willing to change and not have that be anything bad about you, that you know who you are and then you're making it happen. And that just has to do with taking action, being you, being the best version of you that you can be in this world while it's called today. That's what it takes to live as a thriving entrepreneur. I've got three amazing guests for you today that are going to talk about knowing what you want and making it happen here on thriving entrepreneur. So with that said, let's jump right in to our first guest. Join me in welcoming Christian Arangnya. I hope I said that right, Christian. thanks for being here with us today um you know before we jump in to talk about your book tell us just a little bit about you and how you show up in the world
2: well to say the least it has been a very interesting journey because uh, very early on in my life i had this dream i had this vision and i started to work towards it to manifest it and all kind of things happened which kind of got in the way and it took a very long time to actually see things come to fruition and actually see it manifest and come into this physical reality for everyone to see and enjoy, including myself. And um, the reason for that is, and that is something that in retrospect I can now clearly see. It was a bit different when I was in the middle of it because then I couldn't see it. But uh, I needed that time to transform, to understand my own Way of functioning and 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 issues and how to resolve them uh, in order to come to a point where all the things that I have the knowledge and the experiences and insights and t- tips and tools that I've gathered along the way to offer to others to, who might want to use it. I don't hear your voice.
1: Let's try that again with uh, volume on. How about that? Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, The book is called A Guide to Joyful Living for the Unhappy Rich. It is a memoir of your life and what you went through. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us a little bit about what people will find when they read the book.
2: They will read about the journey I've went through myself uh, having lived in New York, I had my own Broadway all off Broadway show uh, for six months uh, in a weekly run and uh, had enough passive income coming in so I didn't need to work. And despite all that, I needed to go to four therapy sessions each week in order to cope with my sense of emptiness, uh, feeling unfulfilled and unhappy. And that brought me to the question: How come? How is it possible that people who have it all, who have this, this uh, lifestyle, style, dreams, are made of? How is it possible? And uh, how is it possible that they end up feeling empty, unfulfilled, and unhappy? And that led me to, uh, um, uh, um, to um, a condition which I call the Elvis syndrome. And then in my journey of how to resolve it. Basically, it came down to, and there are many components, but I, I just take a shortcut and offer you what the main component has been for me to resolve it all, and that has to do something which is has been given names like our essence, our true self, our soul. Yeah, that has been the kind of thing that made it all very much change and allowed it all to fall into place.
1: So um, explain to us briefly, you know, they need to read the whole book to understand it completely. But explain to us briefly what Elvis syndrome is.
2: The Elvis syndrome is something where there is a disconnect between that element of soul and ourselves. And it's not really something that can be disconnected, but we have the sense that we are disconnected from it. And that basically comes down to uh, a deep sense of not feeling alive, not feeling happy anymore, cut off from those kinds of, of feelings and emotions. And then the Elvis syndrome is going to, for instance, let you do something that you actually don't want to do or know it is not really good but you do it anyway it is numbing yourself so uh, for the reason of not feeling the emotions the the so-called negative emotions like sadness or whatever and, and anger and fear and and all these kind of things so the numbing of it all is very much part of it and then also um Particularly for the unhappy rich, they have a reputation to maintain. They walk around with this fear to lose face when they really express themselves and show themselves and tell others how they really feel inside. So what happens is that they keep it inside and inside and inside. They they are they are therefore sliding in what you could call an, an, a, quite an isolated place. They. Walk around, they are very socially outgoing, but they pretend that everything is okay. And it is this pretending that everything is okay, and therefore also combined with it, pushing down all the emotions they don't want to feel, that leads to a situation there that they really exhaust themselves. And being in such an isolated place, thinking that nobody understands and would understand, will understand, that's a very, 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 painful place to wait and why I'm so passionate to work with unhappy rich people is because they have this they are not so much likely to speak about all these things and so on and so forth and therefore all keeping it inside and that is not necessary there's a a way to change that Mm,
1: I love that So again, somebody has to read the whole book in order to get all of it. But if you were to say today, what's your favorite part of the book, you know, at least today?
2: (laughs) Yeah, the favorite part is actually the part where suddenly uh, everything came into manifestation after longer than actually for than 49 years, because that is basically how long it took to overcome this Elvis syndrome for myself. And then from there, the journey started of how to bring that into manifestation. And it's just magical how to see it happen in in very short amount of time, time six months. Um, that doesn't mean to say that everyone will have to wait 49 years. Not at all, because working with certain techniques that I'm offering, it can already offer uh, results pretty quick. The thing is, though, when someone wants to resolve the situation in a more um, let's say creating change that sticks creating change that is durable uh, long lasting then it will take a longer period of time it's you can see it as um, like uh, giving birth to a child in this case giving birth to oneself to one's true self to your true self and that will take some time Um, yeah so that's the favorite part of my book
1: Mm, I love that. So let's be good teachers for a minute and help people that are listening in. What is one thing that a person could do right now to begin to really start living joyfully?
2: The first step that I have used myself, and, and that's the first step that I also use in working with clients, is to create for yourself a safe and secure environment. And that comes from, we all have an an, an aura. We all know, uh, have heard about auras. So an aura expands and contracts, but there is also a second space, which I call a cocoon. And that space stays fixed. And it is that space that when we activate it, um, we can get a sense of, this safety, security, if you so wish, this sense of a sacred space we are in. And within that space, and and when we have established this sense of all is well, all is safe, then we can start to embrace more of certain feelings that we find maybe uncomfortable to feel. And that's one thing. And another thing is that contemplating and and having the idea that there's something beyond what we can see with our physical eye. And maybe you could call it a higher power, if that's something that, you know, you can use the word that fits to you best, that there is something greater than you waiting there for you to give the support to go through whatever you need to go through to transition from feeling unhappy to living a joyful life and um yeah that is basically what i would say is uh, are the things to 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 um, to start off with and there's a third thing here and that has to do with two questions the question is do you believe that there is a relationship between what you feel and think and what is going to happen in the future if that is a yes then we go, can go into a second question that is do you then believe that you can change what is happening or about to happen in the future by changing what you think and feel and that puts us in more or in a situation of the driver's seat because one element of the elvis syndrome is having the feeling of that it is out of our control we feel a kind of a victim but To have an uh, an understanding and a knowing that with our own thoughts and feelings, we do have an influence on our future. And when we use it correctly, we can have a positive influence on what is happening in the future. And that puts us more into the driver's seat that, yes, we are able and we have the opportunity to create a future of the life we love to live.
1: Mm, I love that. Give us just, uh, before we go, a couple of words of encouragement for the person that feels like, you know, no matter how many people are around, they're just all alone and there's nobody there for them and and it's just never going to be better.
2: Well, first thing that comes to mind is that after 49 years suffering from the Elvis syndrome myself and having being able to resolve it, I'm, I'm sure that everyone else is able to do the same, that first and foremost. The other thing is that there are tools to be used to make that journey successful. Um, sometimes it is helpful, and that doesn't necessarily mean that I, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the perfect guide for you because I may not. It really depends on if we have a match. But um, it is important at certain times to work with someone because there are certain things that are just very difficult, if not impossible, to do by yourself alone. So to get this support, to create that kind of support for yourself is very um, um, vital and important. And the other thing is, and that has to do with, uh, uh, with that... Um, sometimes we are fearful about the unknown. What is going to happen when we are, when I go on such a journey? The thing is that again, when you have the someone alongside to support you, but also when you have a good method that can guide you in that kind of journey, all those kind of things will make that journey much easier, and you will find that. What you now might be fearful about, it's all going to be, turns out to be much easier at at certain points because, okay, there will be some roadblocks, but in general, I'm pretty sure at the end of it, you will say, hmm, that was actually not that bad.
1: Well, I love that. The book is called A Guide to Joyful Living for the Unhappy Rich. It is available. You can actually get it if you get it today for free on Amazon. Um, I do encourage you to go out and get the book. Christian, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today.
2: It was a pleasure to be with you and uh, thank you so much for having me.
1: You've got to be happy with who you are, with the life that you're living and live it joyfully and completely. That is step one in knowing yourself and in making it happen is really truly enjoying the you that is you. That'll help you maximize today and live as a thriving entrepreneur. We're going to take a quick commercial break and then we will be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. Don't go away.
3: If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny
0: Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur
1: This is Steve, welcome back Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today as we talk about knowing what you want and making it happen. In the first segment, we were talking about learning how to live joyfully and really enjoying your life. And now we want to talk about some of the elements of making it happen. Knowing who you are is part of the battle, but then taking action is the other part of it. And I think this next guest is going to be exactly what you need to help you take the action that will help you live as a thriving entrepreneur. Let's jump right in. Join me in welcoming Edward Beltran. Hey, Edward, how are you doing today?
4: I'm doing fantastic, Steve. How about yourself?
1: I'm doing really good. Thank you very much. So tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world.
4: Yeah. uh, Well, first off, yeah, thank you for having me on your show. Uh, Again, my name is Edward Beltran. I'm the CEO of a company called Fierce. Uh, Inc. It was based off the best-selling book, Fierce Conversations, written by Susan Scott 20 years ago. And uh, it was a bestseller, sold over a million copies. And in that time, we've had the opportunity to work with Fortune 500 companies down to emerging startups, really helping them equip with how they engage in the workplace to drive the results that they they, they desire. So um, I'm physically in um, Phoenix, Arizona, Steve, uh, enjoying not so great weather, but our Office is based out of Seattle,
1: and Seattle doesn't have really great weather right now either. So, <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, right? It's, it's it's definitely a better
1: difference. <laughs> so, um, you know, if you had to narrow it down to one thing, and I know you do a lot of stuff, but if there was one message that you had for us today, what's the thing that's really burning on your heart that you'd like to share with us?
4: Yeah, the biggest thing that's on my mind and in my heart is also on the minds of many executives across the U.S. and globally, you know, the past couple of years um, have been tough and the data proofs this out, right? I mean, you can't read any articles without without seeing workplace stress, workplace angst, you know, you see the uh, lag results of turnover, of burnout, and so on and so forth. Gallup does an annual negativity index and they survey 122 countries every year. And 2021 broke records for having the highest negativity, which is an assessment of like stress and, um, you know, what workers are, are facing in the workplace. And 2022 is on par to also break those records. So this is a, a, a real issue, um, Steve. And, you know, through our work and through our passions, when you get underneath what's happening, um, you know, we hear this word resilience um, a lot in the workplace. And, you know, I, I'm 45 years old and I have a tough time with this definition, to be honest with you. I don't know what it means. <laughs> Our chief behavioral science officer says it's like a marshmallow you bounce back into place. But when you really get underneath the data, uh, Steve, when you reference Harvard Business Review uh, data around it, it really comes down to the interactions that people have in the workplace that increases their stress and requires the need for resilience. And it The beautiful thing that I love about it, Steve, is that it's tangible. These interactions, you can skill up and coach people and give them the confidence in how to handle it. And it not only handles those situations, but it helps the organization and the individual also meet their needs. I'll share with you one, and then um, I would love to get your reflections and what you're seeing out there um, as well, Steve. But the number one issue in the workplace, the number one interaction based on Harvard Business Review... Uh, data comes down to dealing with difficult people and politics in the workplace. I mean, it's absolutely staggering. 80% of respondents answered yes to this.
1: Wow. Um, You know, how do we overcome it? I mean, it just seems to be almost like a new version of a pandemic. You know what I mean?
4: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, the first step is really self-awareness. And I want to explore that a little bit deeper here in a second. But if you take the number one issue that people are facing when I'm managing difficult relationships and politics in the workplace, you know you have many options when you have these interactions and you have a feeling whether you realize it or not of manifesting of stress. You can walk away, Steve, and harbor these feelings that aren't going to go away. You can go and tell three other people, and as you know, that amplifies toxicity in the workplace. Or three, you could do what we've been teaching for twenty years. Which is engage the situation, ask clarifying questions, and/or give feedback. There's a interesting statistic done by Pasha Urich. She's one of my favorite IO psychologists, and what she states is that 95% of people think they're self-aware, but 10 to 15% really are. Now, this is absolutely staggering. So, if you take that statistic for what it is. That means that those interactions that you're having, the pressure you're feeling from your boss, the microaggressions you're dealing with are people who are just not self-aware. They have no idea what they're presenting in the workplace, the weight that they're leaving, the impact they're having on people. So you as an individual can engage these situations with feedback and just not in theory. It'd be one thing if I said, Steve, make sure you give feedback to everybody and your boss, like that's a theory, right? It's another thing for us to give you the skill sets that are uh, tried and true and proven to not only get the result that you're looking for, which is change behavior, but also enrich the relationship between someone else. And the key with the approach to proper feedback is observable behaviors and a conversation. So it's one thing, Steve, for me to say, you know, in that meeting, you're negative. Like, wow, right? But it's another thing for me to say, hey, Steve, you know, I noticed you, you said these couple of things. You know, it seemed like you just really had a, a negative disposition around. there. are was showing up for you. In which case, our research shows 90% of the time people are not self aware. You'll say, you know, I'm so sorry. I had a really bad interaction with one of my employees prior to coming from this meeting, but thank you for bringing that to my attention.
1: Okay, now what do you do with the other percentage of the people that are like, yeah, I was?
4: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this, this happens a lot as well, right? Where, you know, again, it's, 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 um, they didn't intend for it to come across that way. And so in the course of your conversation, they acknowledge, you know, I'm sorry, I made a mistake um, and it's something I'm gonna work on. So what happens is is that we then teach to confront after you've established this conversation feedback. So a lot of times people go from zero to 60 really quick and go right to confront. You know, Steve, you're racist because you said I'm a tall Mexican or you made this comment. When again, this data shows that people aren't self-aware and you engaging them in a proper feedback conversation will easily remedy it. And to your point, sometimes it doesn't. And so the next level up is confront. And confront isn't screaming and yelling. Confront is saying, you know, we've talked about this, Steve, these behaviors you acknowledge are having an impact on me and others in the workplace. Um, We need this to stop. And the critical piece here then is to say, what is at stake if nothing changes? So what is at stake if nothing changes? It will inhibit our ability to collaborate. It will inhibit our ability to hit the results or goals that we're on the, we're on the hook for, or in many situations as well, my next step is to go to HR.
1: Do you think that part of what is causing this is um, that people have become a little bit too quick to go to HR rather than learning how to communicate with other people in the workplace?
4: 100%. And again, it comes down to um, what I'm laying out here, which is it should be an escalation process where the first step is checking in with the person. And as I mentioned, all the data points to a lack of of self-awareness. And this is how people become self-aware by receiving proper feedback. No one wants to be hit over the head, as we're saying, uh, uh, Steve. People want to be engaged in what we call a conversation, two people. It's not a one-way monologue. It's saying, hey, what's showing up? How do we work on this? What do you need from me? And then not only are you enriching the relationship, and to your point, not going to HR, which would create a further divide, people turn over, but you're also helping to achieve the goals and apply the influence in in your job and your role that's expected of you.
1: Mm, I love that so much. So, um, where is the point where, you know, the training comes in? I mean, some of us can just hear that and be like, okay, I need to be more mindful of my communications and other people, they've never really been shown that. And so they don't really, you know, from just the conversation you and I Mm -hmm. are having, they wouldn't really know how to be able to do that. They need to be kind of stepped through it. Um, How do we help the person who needs to be stepped through it to do that in a way that they can, you know, leave their dignity intact rather than feeling like they're stupid.
4: (laughs) Yeah. You know, what you say is so important. I I'm a huge advocate of providing people actionable tools, regardless of where they're at, you know, in their life and their roles. And there's no correlation to like education or anything like that. Some people just literally want to know the punchline. What do I say in this moment that will release the pressure and help get to the issue, right? Instead of what happens a lot of times, your point Steve is people don't feel the confidence they don't feel they're skilled enough. And so they don't, they avoid it. And instead what we see as a result is high resignation, the great reshuffle, so on and so forth, because people's outward view is it's binary. My boss doesn't like me. This culture, this culture sucks. Without realizing that they are the linchpin in turning this around being able to go to their boss and ask for clarity in a way that's enriching being able to say i am the culture you are the culture each individual is the culture and how you interact day in and day out dictates what that culture is going to be and so to your point steve we one of our one of the benefits of fierce conversations is instead of us just throwing out theory hey you got to give feedback you got to confront you got to delegate we actually have wizards like step by step um Uh, of frameworks, if you will, to build up a proper feedback conversation, to build up a proper um, uh, confront conversation, to be able to properly delegate, literally step-by-step. Now, one of the things that I've been doing as my tenure as CEO is instead of just giving people theory or training people in something that they may need two, two, two months, three months, four months, six months down the line, it's how do you get it closer so the application or situations that they're going to be in, and then how do you prompt them in those moments when they need you? And that's where we've been leveraging a lot of different technology, which I would love to go into more details on. But to your point, Steve, and I'm, I, this is something I'm very passionate about, how do you make it easier? Instead of just throwing theory at people and you know a lot of you know, big binders with, with material in it, how do you allow them to do it? How do you unlock it?
1: Mm, I love that. So um, let's talk about it from the other standpoint for just a little bit. Um, What is going to happen to the culture of the company if we don't choose to make the change ourselves?
4: Yeah, exactly. So great, great question. And as I mentioned, um, the, the key piece here is ensuring that you really define and know what culture is. And the best definitions I've heard of it is it's how we get things done, how we do things in an organization. And when you granulate down to the basic building block of that statement, it's people and how they interact with one another. So as I mentioned before in one of the examples, if people are avoiding each other, if they're conflict avoidant, you're not solving issues and guaranteed you're also not hitting your goals. At worst, you're creating a toxic environment. So again, let's say you and I have an interaction. uh, You make a statement that you weren't aware was semi-offensive to me. I say nothing to you, Steve. You think we're in a good spot. I go down the hall and tell two or three other people, you know, that Steve guy, you know, he's this and he's that. That has huge ripple effects. It happens every day in interactions and organizations and creates toxic environments where, again, People then turn around and and say, "This culture is horrible. My boss doesn't like me. I don't feel comfortable in here. It's not inclusive." Without realizing that they are empowered to have an impact on that organization every day, and that's what we're passionate about is giving people that training and that confidence to do so.
1: So, which is a perfect lead into what I was going to ask you next, and that's, how can people work with you?
4: (laughs) Great, thanks. Uh, You know, we're on. uh, (laughs) Excuse me. You can visit our website at fierceinc.com. Um, you can uh, hook up with me on LinkedIn. Happy to connect with people. and love hearing what people are dealing with every day in the workplace. Um, and we have um, some new innovation called Pulse by Fierce. You can see that pulsebyfierce.com, which um, we're offering as a B2C product, as well as our normal offerings, uh, Steve, of B2B. So we have a, a many different ways that people can gain This training in ways that will help them in their day to day and tomorrow, which is most important.
1: I love that. Well, Edward, thank you so much for spending some time with us here on the show today.
4: Thank you very much for having me, Steve. Looking forward to being on the show again in the future.
1: Know the results you want and then do the things that you need to do to drive those results, to have the culture, to have the workplace, to have the environment that you want to have with the people that you want to work with, to change the lives of the people that you want to help. What a great way to live as a thriving entrepreneur. Don't you want to do that? Don't you want to pick up the ball in that today to know who you are and then to make that happen in your life so that you can live today as a thriving entrepreneur. We are going to take our next commercial break and then we'll be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. Don't go away.
3: If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com, schedule a talk with Steve. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is Say yes to your destiny.
0: Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur.
1: This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. We're talking about knowing what you want and making it happen. I hope that you've learned a lot from our first two guests, and we've got one more for you. I think it's important that before we let the day go by, that we indeed talk a little bit about some investment, some financial strategies, and some unique ways that you can maximize your money as well, so that you know what you want, you make it happen, but then you also have ways that you can reach out beyond the core stuff that you're doing to also impact the world in exactly the way and with the things that you can do that'll make this world a better place. What a great way to be able to live and thrive and be the best version of yourself you can be while it's called today. I think that'll give us just what we need to live as a thriving entrepreneur. Join me in welcoming Marty Greenbaum. Hey, Marty, how you doing today? Doing great, Steve. Thank you. So glad to have you here with us today. Tell me a little bit about you and how you show up in the world.
5: <laughs> Thank you. Well, listen, um, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. Um, my grandfather owned a big printing company in Chicago. Um, and my dad was a serial entrepreneur. My family started a brand called Postnet, a franchise brand, which I was working in. I opened up about five hundred locations as a young man and Then I moved into I started a marketing company, and through the years I've owned two marketing companies. Um, The second one really focused on franchises, and so I've been basically a marketing strategist in franchising. I've worked with over 120 brands like Ben and Jerry's, Hertz, Rent a Car, Remax, Smoothie King, Famous Dave's, Fast Sign, so many. And for the last four years. I've been helping people make smart investments into franchising. I'm a franchise consultant and
1: matchmaker. So when you talk about smart investing into franchising, is that the person owning the whole franchise themselves or is it being part of it or or how does that work? Oh
5: yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people I work with. um, They're looking to escape from corporate America Maybe they haven't reached their goals. Maybe um, they're looking for something semi-absentee to make, you know, grow their income on the side while they're keeping their job. And, you know, people go into franchising for a lot of reasons. But yes, you know, there are 3,500 franchises in the U.S. And it's just so hard for most people to understand, like, hey, what would be the right franchise for me? And what should be my expectations if I were to invest in, in the business? And then what would be my role?
1: That makes sense. I think a lot of times uh, when we think franchises, we immediately start thinking, you know, McDonald's, Burger King, all the big ones that are on every corner, um, you know, and hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars to do it. But legitimately, what kind of money does a person need to have in order to start a franchise?
5: Well, listen, there's investments at all kinds of levels. You know, you have service business franchises, you know, everything from cleaning companies to mis- this mosquito business to HVAC, electrical, plumbing, roofing. I mean, every trade to um, to education, automotive, fitness, and of course, QSR restaurants. But they're at every level. So somebody could get in for as low as it's you're going to lap $10,000 probably. You know, there's travel franchises at the $10,000 investment, you know, and uh, and then there's others that could cost you over a million. So it really depends on how much you have to invest and, and what are your goals.
1: So when you start working with a person, do you kind of start right from there? What made you want to do this? What are your goals? And then begin to help them find the franchise that's right for them? Or do yeah. they usually have an idea of which direction they're wanting to go before they come to you?
5: Well, oh, I think a lot of people, they're going to poke around online and take a look into franchising. Or they're going to have, you know, in the course of their life as a customer, they've experienced franchising. Most people have some degree of knowledge of what a franchise is but they're kind of lost as far as, you know, hey, what's going to be right for me? You know, I think it's a, you know, you have to think about it, um, these type of decisions from uh, an emotional perspective and an intellectual perspective. Part of it is, how much do I have to invest? How much can I make? What would be the performance? What's the benefits of this franchise over another? And does that make sense? The other half of it tends to be, I always dreamed about owning a car wash because I think they're great money. Or I had a a buddy who started this um, landscaping business. Now he he has the whole, you know, metropolitan area and he's making millions. Or, I mean, so it really depends on a couple of things, what they've been exposed to, what their passions are or what they've, you know, or what they've kind of come across. It's funny how that happens.
1: That makes total sense. So um, what are the things that we need to know? I mean, I know you said people are going to poke around the internet, but help us do that poking a little bit more legitimately. What kind of things should we research, know, learn, understand before we start looking at franchises?
5: Well, listen, you have to understand, basically what you're asking me is, what do you need to know before you buy some uh, franchise? You know, And what's the best way to do your you know, due diligence. Okay. So it's kind of difficult because once you start reaching out to franchise companies, you're going to get a lot of calls from their sales reps and that's time consuming. You know, you could look online and there's some data, but um, here's some of the benefits of franchising and it'll help you because it'll help you, you know, steer what you need to know a little bit. Um, First of all, Most people know that they're buying into a brand, okay? So benefit is brand power. McDonald's has immense brand power. You open up a McDonald's, boom. Maybe you've recently heard of crumble cookie, okay? Who would expect a a cookie concept to be that profitable and that um, widespread, you know, people... People are looking to open this crumble cookie concept, which is pretty simple in nature, and it's been around in other brands, but they they created a unique brand. But aside from that, from a brand, um, you're gonna want to make sure that they have strong financial performance. How much? Basically, you got to answer, answer that question: How much money can I make? Right. Um, so that's key. But um, that information is found in a franchise disclosure document, uh, which is a required document that people that every franchise has to provide investors or individuals prior to buying, or you could validate that with existing franchisees, you know, through discussions. But um, things like training, one important fact is that most people don't realize is that you don't have to know a specific business to get into that franchise. They'll train you. They're looking for motivated people that have the financial wherewithal that have the skills and the abilities to be successful. Okay. So training and support is big in franchising, marketing and technology. You know, you're going to look at those systems to make sure that they have great systems. Okay. Ultimately, you're going to talk to other franchisees for sure. And say, Hey, you know, a good question is, if you had the chance to turn back the clock of time, and redo this one would you still be in the franchise okay so there's a lot of parts of this due diligence process um but you know there's a lot and there's a lot to know about franchising and and that's kind of where i try to help people um and guide them
1: Mm, i love that so um and you work more with the people who want to buy into the franchise versus the people who would like to turn their business into a franchise is that correct
5: that is correct but i i've done a lot of both okay but mainly i work 90% of the time with people that are you know ready for a change maybe they are tired of you know they're working in the corporate world or they realize that um job security is 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 not as strong as it used to be or or a lot of you know listen a lot of the people i deal with or work with excuse me are people in their 50s that are kind of looking at retirement and saying on the current path that they're on you know can i retire comfortably and many haven't set themselves up for that working for someone else for 20 years so you know a lot of reasons to consider franchising a lot of great reasons um, and my job as a franchise consultant is to really bring clarity to that and and really help them identify those franchises that really could be the best fit for them, but that's really based on a lot of a lot of you know variables on what they're trying to accomplish um what their preferences are, what their skills and abilities are, and so on.
1: Hmm, I love that. So, um, you know, when a person is beginning to look at the franchise, um, what are some of the things currently, you know, because we're in a little different place financially than, you know, worldwide economy-wise than we were a couple of years ago. Um, Are there such things as, franchises that are good during recessions, franchises that you don't have to worry about going out of business immediately? What kind of things do we need to look at right now in the, in the economy to, to find a good franchise?
5: Well, that's a great question. I'm getting a lot of that from people I speak with. You know, the big concern is, um, is uh, can this stand, stand the test of time, like you say? So um, let's talk about some industries that, that do and are recession-proof. Okay. So automotive, people are going to have cars. If if the car breaks down, they may not be able to work. So, you know, people got to take care of their cars. Um, healthcare, another great area. Um, there's all kinds of healthcare franchises and, you know, people are going to go to the doctor, right? They're going to get, they're going to definitely um Definitely, uh, if they're not feeling well, there's everything from physical therapy franchises to mental health franchises to urgent care franchises, right? Um, a lot of home services now. If, the, if something breaks in your house, you need to call an HVAC company or you need a plumber, guess what? You're gonna call a franchise most likely because most of those service companies, especially the brands you know and trust, they're franchises, right? So there's there's just a wide range of franchising, you know, franchise, uh, I'm going to call it categories that are really safe from a recession. People are going to get their hair cut. Now, a pandemic is crazy. It stopped people from getting their hair cut. But aside from that, not too many people are going to have, you know, a loved one cut their hair (laughs) unless they're in a pandemic, all right? So, yes, there's uh, I definitely have been working very closely with my clients to, to really pick those franchises that, you know, because to, that's going to weather that storm and they're concerned about it.
1: So when specifically would be the perfect time for a person to engage with you, if you could just, you know, reach into their life and tell them and then get to this point and then contact me, when would that be?
5: Well, listen, I think it's going to vary a little bit from person to person, but I, I speak with, like I said, people that have come to the conclusion, my job's not working for me or there's no security. I'm not going to reach the goals that I definitely need to reach before I retire to really create security for my family. I want to leave a legacy for my children You know, more than I think I will based on the path that I'm on right now. So I say at the, at the initial point where you say, Hey, I should look into this franchising thing. Okay. Because I've developed a very um, effective process and I made it easy as possible, like kind of a three-step process to get to the point where I get to know you, we brainstorm about franchising, and then I'm able to bring you back options that I think make sense. OK, so, I mean, early on, if possible, is the best time. But I've worked with people that were looking at franchising three years ago. They didn't find anything and are ready to revisit it. So it just it's going to vary person to person.
1: I love that. So for the person who is ready to begin looking at investing in a franchise, starting their own franchise, how can they get in contact with you? Well, I
5: have a great website, smartfranchiseinvesting.com. I'd like people to take a peek at that. But my email is Marty at smartfranchiseinvesting.com. And you can reach out through uh, through the email. There's links to schedule an appointment online. And you know, I'd love to talk to anybody who has a little bit of interest, a spark of interest, and we'll do a little brainstorming. So I'm happy to help people. And I just had a call today. And it was so funny. And I love this when they say something like, Oh, my God, thank God, I found someone like you that could help me through this all. And it was it was like, and I love that. And I said, Listen, I want to make sure that you understand, I'm not here to sell you a franchise, I educate people. And I help them identify those smart franchises. And what's even really unique about what I do is I kind of work like a real estate agent. And you know, like I When you buy a home using an agent, the buyer doesn't pay the fees, the seller does. So um, I don't charge anybody for my services. And if we find something that they love and they decide to move forward, great. That's up to them. Um, But nonetheless, I I would receive a referral fee from the franchisors. So I'm not charging people. I'm providing them great information. And I'm all about... You know no pressure. I don't sell anything. I, I help people. I educate them. I guide them. So, you know, and uh, and I have no go-to brands that I would bring to the table. I represent hundreds and hundreds of brands. So it's really, you know, let's see what we could find and let's make sure to the best of our our ability that you're going to be successful.
1: And that was smartfranchiseinvesting.com. I do suggest everybody go there and check it out. Marty, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. All
5: right, a great time. I appreciate it. And I wish everybody a fantastic
1: 2023. I would like to also point out that all of those marketing strategies for the franchises, most all of them will work for you and all the things that you're marketing in your life and your business as well. Don't overlook a good marketing strategy. Good marketing is always something that we can use more of in our lives as well as in our business. Sometimes we have to be marketers for ourselves. We have to promote who we are, what we're doing, and how we can make the difference that only we can make in this world. We have to be the ones to take charge of that and do that so that as we know who we are and we know what we're going to do to do it, how to make that happen, we can really truly live and thrive and succeed and make a difference in the world. Now, we've talked about a lot of platitudes about making a difference in the world and living as a thriving entrepreneur and knowing what you want and making it happen. I want to give you a real secret to success for that here at the end. I want you to listen to the words that I've said a couple of times today already, and that's maximizing while it's called today. Yesterday's a canceled check. Tomorrow is a promissory note. Today is the only legal tender you can spend. Yes, there may be things from yesterday that you need to apologize for, to move away from, and to no longer live in, but you have to let those things go. And although we want to set ourselves up for a bright future, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know when the next pandemic's going to hit and the whole world's going to be shut down or any of those kind of things. But we know what we can do today. We know how we're feeling. We know what we can do. We know who we are. And we can make it happen today. Now, I want you to also understand sometimes the best part of making it happen is knowing yourself well enough to know when you need to make rest happen. Ooh, that's a tough one for all of us. Um, and then life will eventually make you sick like I've been, and you'll just be smacked down, and you will end up resting whether you want to or not, because if you don't take care of yourself, your body will make you take care of yourself, or will put you in a position where some type of medical professional is taking care of yourself. So I strongly encourage you, um, even as part of maximizing, while it's called today, that you never, uh... Underappreciate the effect and the importance of rest of a day of rest of time of rest of taking naps even a little siesta during the middle of the day you need those times of refreshing and recuperating as well that is also a part of maximizing while it's called today so some days we're going to get up in the morning, and we're going to drive and we're going to change the world every moment of the day. There are days when it feels like we work 26 hours out of the day. And then there are other days that we're just tired or maybe we're sick. And maybe what we do need to do is just stay in bed. Or maybe with your children or your spouse or somebody wonderful in your life, maybe you need to spend the whole day hugging on somebody or telling somebody special in your life, just how important and wonderful they are to you. Never let a day go by when you don't let the people that you really love and care for know just how important they are to you. You never know when the last time to be able to tell them that might be. So maximize today. Know who you are and make it happen. Do the things that only you can do while it's called today because you are uniquely brilliant You were created for a purpose, and the world needs you. I hope until we're together again next time, you have a great week.
0: Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time.
3: is on a mission stand out with your brand out <laughs> It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say, yes to your destiny.